0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Voice Equals Power podcast, where we explore the big question. How does an artist find their voice? I am your host, Nicholas Krolak. If you like what you hear today, you can keep up to date with my travels through Sonic Space and my website, nicholaskrolak.com or on Instagram at Nicholas underscore Krolak. Saxophonist Josh Lee is a graduate of Temple University's Boyer College of Music and is the managing and co-artistic director of Jazz Lives Philadelphia. Josh brings experience gained from performing throughout the world with the Count Basie Orchestra, the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, Jazz Orchestra of Philadelphia, and many more. He leads projects of his own including Josh Lee and the Family, The Life Brass Band, and the jazz lives philadelphia big band josh is devoted to bringing his love of jazz to the masses young and old alike josh lee hey what's up man how much thanks for taking the time to to be on the podcast
1: of course, thanks for having me
0: yeah, absolutely. um you just got in from from New York. you were in New York a, a bunch what were you what were you what were you up to
1: well um uh count Basie Orchestra was recording uh a live album at Birdland all week for the eighty fifth anniversary of the band and um yeah, we recorded a lot of stuff. I think the goal was to get something from Every decade of the band's existence. Wow. So that's a lot, that's yeah, a lot of music. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it was it was a long week, but it was, it was cool. But it was it was a great weekend because Temple University came up and um,
0: yeah, they were at they're Dizzy's, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, they were, they were at um um, Lincoln Center. They do doing that um competition. Okay. And they 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 won it. So oh, sweet! I was really proud of them. Yeah, the first awesome. ever, uh, college, uh, Lincoln Center. Jazz competition, so they killed it. So you know, awesome, it really cool. And Chris Lewis played at the the Vanguard for the first time Monday, and got to be there for that. So that was that was pretty special. Tara was there too. So very cool, pretty cool week.
0: Very cool. Uh, how long have you been playing with the the Basie band? I feel like that that's you've been been with them for a little bit.
1: Um, about probably exactly a year and a half now. Um, I joined. The 1st of June, uh, 2018, I guess.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did did you get hooked up with them?
1: Uh, so I I played in this band, uh, this (laughs) band leader in New York named Jack Jeffers. He's kind of a, one of the old road warriors who, he used to lead the Ellington band. And I know he's done a lot of things that I just, I'm not hip to, but I used to play in his band once a month at Zinc Bar and unbeknownst to me the the lead trombone player in that band was um is a senior member in the bass orchestra and then one day he said hey man got your passport <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but uh, yeah there's also some recommendations from um some uh New York baritone players like Frank Basilli and Gary Smalley and all that stuff so a lot of people to be thankful for so it just kind of i don't you know it's kind of happened <laughs> I,
0: I always love how the, those things happen cuz it it's always very like you don't really see it coming, but when you look back, you see all the pieces. You're yeah. like, Oh yo, it's this person and that person and this person. Yeah. That's like a thing uh, I like to focus on in, in this podcast, like how that works, because I feel like a lot of you know kids coming up don't notice that or don't don't think that they just think it just like right happens or some magical thing, and it's like you no, know, it's like over time you make these connections, right? Kind of builds up, and then it comes to a point like, of oh, that. Love that you got your passport.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of older cats yeah. say he is like paying your dues, mm-hmm. which I know I still have a lot of dues to pay. But I mean, that band, you know, it wasn't not for the money. I mean, you know, I had to travel to New York once a month, and, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, it was a still so it was a learning experience and playing with especially playing with older musicians. I mean, you can learn from every situation, but especially that. But yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I'm still, still kind of in shock. But it's you know, it's it's really an honor to be there. You know, yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: That's great. Um, when did you graduate from Temple?
1: Uh, I did my undergrad in 2016 and graduated last May with my master's. So it's a long time. <laughs> like yeah. seven years at Temple. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a been a while.
0: <laughs> well, it's a good it's a good place to spend a lot of time at. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I was like, how even when like there's so many rehearsals just happen there too. That so like even when you're out, it's like you're still like yeah. there a bunch. And <laughs> it always feels to me every time I'm back there, it feels very like, oh hey, what's up? Hey yeah, hey everybody.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what's up, Greg? Yep. Greg chilling outside. Tim. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So you've also played uh, a bunch with the the Village Vanguard Orchestra. Yeah. yeah. And. How how was how has that been? How is that? How did you get involved in that?
1: Well, I think the first time I went was in two thousand thirteen, because I just in high school um, my band director uh, Frank Mazio he would always call Thad charts, but I didn't really mm-hmm. know much about. I didn't really know who Pepper Adams was, honestly. Mm-hmm. But um, I sort of knew who Thad was, and I knew I liked his music because we played three and one a couple times. Yeah, so I finally went and. I sat right in the front. I remember, and uh, my face was blown off. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. And then, so I just started going a lot, almost almost every week. You know, just just seeing Oates, and I would record everything, and you know, listen mm. back and try to try to learn the tunes. Because in in my opinion, you know, especially for my instrument, I think one of the greatest baritone players ever is alive right now and playing. So mm. I mean, I gotta I gotta go hear him. Yeah. You know, if I, I, I actually would feel really guilty if I didn't hear him every Monday. But unfortunately he came back to the city around the time I started uh going, so I just have so much Gary to listen to and oats and tarot and stuff. But um I would go a lot and try to learn the songs and learn all of Thad's at least the changes and try to learn some uh the some of the baritone parts and stuff and I remember I I'd go sit right next to Gary, uh Cause you know, the Vanguard, there's that walkway and then, mm-hmm. and then, um, he would give me the charts cause he had it all memorized. He's like, Hey man, Tara, let you read this yet? It's like, Nope. Then just give me the charts. But, uh, that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, I, I finally got a chance to sub with them in, um, uh, I think the summer of 2017 hmm. and stuff and I've been off and on and ever, ever since. So. I got I got to travel with them a couple times last year, which was really sp- special. That was, you know, you know, that's you know, that's yeah, kind of a dream come true. Absolutely, because really. you know, Oates and some of my favorite musicians ever, like Dave, Wong, Oates, yeah. Smollett, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool.
0: I like that. with Gary, it's like ah, I got to memorize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's his great. Whole book memorized. Yeah, that was that was a big thing with with studying with Dave was was uh. He would bring in like all like the different solis and it's like, all right, working on tiptoe. Like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff's that stuff's tricky. That's a hard soli. But I I do like I do really enjoy the Thad charts. I've I've got to play a bunch of them with um, the Delaware Water Gap. Oh, kill okay. uh band with Matt Vassilishin um, and um, that's been pretty fun. Um, I, I just I dig that music. It's really amazing. great. Um, so what what brought you to uh, to Barry uh,
1: my band director <laughs> yeah. I played tenor in high school mm-hmm. in marching band and stuff mm-hmm. and um, I guess they needed another baritone player I honestly think he thought it was funny because I was really short in high school so <laughs> <laughs> the horn was like my size and he just told me to switch in junior year and um, kind of stuck with it but, so I'm I'm happy really happy he did that mm-hmm. you know
0: could you talk a little bit about your experience in in high school, and 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 like learning music, like earlier, even earlier experiences, but just like, like, um, I guess like pr- pre serious study. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, my dad plays saxophone, and um, we always played together in in our church. Mm-hmm. We go Christian Stronghold Baptist Church in uh, Forty Seven in Lancaster in West Philly. And we would always play, and he would always have like weather report on and stuff, mm-hmm. and we listening to music, and so there's always, always jazz or some type of, some type of form of jazz in the house, because his his big hero was Grover Washington, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's also one of mine, you know, but um, yeah, just trying to emulate my dad and stuff, and and um, especially that's why I picked the saxophone, mm-hmm. but in high school I was really fortunate to go to a school that had a really serious jazz program and just music program in general because so we would practice every day after school and um, even if I didn't really know what was going on I'm still glad we was able to hear have stuff sort of start sinking in especially like that because we play a lot of some Buddy Rich and uh, we play some Ellington tunes and you know it was, it was like a really great foundation for, mm-hmm. what Maz did and, and still does so it was you know it's kind of where I attribute a lot of it to.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, you attribute a lot to, um, it's kind of like listening and like letting it sink in. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Even if I didn't really know much about it,
1: because when I first came to the temple, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. That was <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I still had stuff in my ear. So I guess over time, it started to make more sense, especially yeah. with oats. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what was what was studying? What were some of the big lessons or, or like keystone moments with studying with Oates that that you can recall? Because he is like a he is oh, a, yeah. an amazing amazing educator. He oh, yeah. he uh, he gave a master class to the grad program mm-hmm. about how to give master classes, and it, <laughs> it oh, just like man. blew my mo- like the whole. The whole thing, I have, like, pages and pages of notes from it. And everything from it is just, just gold. There, like, isn't any – isn't was not a dull moment.
1: Oh, man, I'd love to see that. But uh, I remember one of the things was, um, uh, I guess, when I first came in, he actually gave me a lesson when I was in high school for free. He, I just came in because um, he knew one of my uh, high school teachers. And they hooked me up, and I came in, and he was – Gracious enough to just let me, you know, play for him. That's the first time I met Tall Stool, actually. Oh, he cool! Yeah. <laughs> but also was saying, yeah, talking about scales, and he was he was talking about uh, vocabulary and language, and just you know, he showed me the bebop scale and like stuff around dominant chords. And he's like, yeah, these are these are you kind of scales you gotta practice now instead of just you know running up and down mm-hmm. arpeggios. And it was kind of it's all about the language. And another thing that I'm still working on is um taking stuff around the cycle of fourths, because mm-hmm. that's just, you know it's like the the bird blues around the cycle of fourths. I mean, I'm trying to get fluent enough so I can do that without stopping multiple s- cycles through, and and not and focusing on time and focusing on intonation and all that stuff, but focus on trying not to repeat things, and that that's a hard thing, but I know oats can do it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's. That's something that took maybe two or three years to actually click. Yeah, Cause I was trying to figure it out. And then one day in the practice room, I was like, "Oh, okay," sort of, get, mm-hmm. sort of get it. But you know, mm-hmm. and um, another thing, he was, he was, he was all about sound and having a, having good sound and, especially with Thad's music, is playing aggressively on the baritone, just like the lineage of, Pepper and, and Gary and all that stuff. And uh, breathing was a big thing. I was terrible at. You know because if you if you watch oh that's why i like going to the vanguard you get to see him in person mm-hmm. you know, if you wa- if you watch him you look like he's it looks like he's drowning all the how aggressively he takes aaron and all that stuff so mm-hmm. that it was you know it's kind of a cool thing to see uh him uh do what he's preaching you know because mm-hmm. you know everything he's saying he's doing and it, it makes a lot of sense seeing him
0: yeah um what is a so you talk about talk about talk about breath, mm. and I feel like there is a definitely there is a need for you as a wind instrument to have control of, of breath, but I feel like instrument instrumentalists that don't like string players, guitarists, and pianists and drummers even can really benefit from focusing on breath mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you worked with uh worked on with oats in terms of breathing and um your response could be totally saxophone specific but uh-huh. i think that it will help everybody
1: well i think one of the big lessons he always had was um you know how you inhale is is if you're seeing a you know the love of your life for the first time in 20 years you know he's always like <gasps> you know yeah. All like, it really <laughs> even if it looks really animated and one of the biggest things that i always remember is uh he told me maybe it's a saxophone or a wind instrument related thing but he, he he breathes and moves around not because he needs to but the music needs that type of intensity mm-hmm. and that's something that's like whoa that's pretty it's pretty pretty heavy you know, because he, cause he knows the music he's playing has a certain bite to it. Mm-hmm. And his his uh breathing kind of sets that up, that that intensity. And, um, yeah, and, and a lot of it was having enough breath, having enough air support to finish your phrases. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if I would run out of air, maybe I'm playing for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, it can kind of... Cut things down if I can't actually finish. That's that was a problem, and I'm still trying to work on that too. Playing too long, too longer phrases, and kind of petering out in the end. We worked on that a lot, because um, he would. I guess it's another saxophone related thing. He was always talking about kind of playing downhill and make sure you have enough air to really finish a phrase and drive drive out a phrase and all that stuff. And that applies to you know section playing and improvising too Mm. but yeah i think i think breathing you know i would just help with musicality and just how phrases kind of flow and stuff if you're not a wind player yeah i think
0: yeah i see a lot of 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 parallel with it when when playing playing with the bow or um i've i noticed it a lot when i'm playing in a rhythm section it's like really clicking it feels like we're all breathing together oh yeah, yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if we may not be but it definitely feels like that and um i th- i think that that is is a thing and also i've I've noticed just for me like when i'll play a phrase and or i'll be ha- soloing i'll play a couple phrases and i'll be like i just realized i didn't hadn't taken a breath in oh, a while yeah. you know and i'm like i i should be it should be flowing you know yeah yeah and um so, thanks for for sharing that. I think yeah. that will will help help a lot of people. Um what are what are some things that you are working on? Um actually no, no, no. I want to backtrack a little bit. I want to I want to talk about reading. Okay. Cuz you do a lot of reading. Um and what what is like a a big do you see as like a big stumbling block for a lot of people with with in regards to reading?
1: Just being Getting the opportunity to, because, I mean, most of the stuff, probably, like, honestly, like, 90% of the stuff I do is big band stuff, so mm-hmm. I get a lot of chances to read, but not, you know, not everybody gets a chance. So, I guess the hardest part is maybe finding people to, to read with, mm-hmm. or the motivation to just do it by yourself, because, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, the, the old heads, like, hey, how do you how do you read? you know if you ask Joe Magnumelli, he'd be like yeah you just got to do it you know yeah. just like just like playing fast yeah, you just got to do it you know it's kind of no way around it there's no like cheat code mm-hmm. you know but um yeah I, I try to challenge myself with reading stuff especially like trying to do like some classical a2s or something like that especially i like a lot of flute stuff on saxophone that's cool mm-hmm. but also trying to transpose stuff for an extra challenge because, you know, a lot of times, um, if I don't have my bass clarinet, I have to play clarinet parts on baritone, and just trying to think of the transposition, you know, it was useful. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, I was I always forget that that's like a skill set that yeah, yeah. <laughs> when players <laughs> need. Is yeah. <it> was, yeah. <laughs> that's a thing. Oh man, I I don't think I could I don't think I could do that. I can't do that very well. It messes me up a lot when when um, people write bass parts at pitch or just have like a piano part. Oh, okay. So you have all those those low ledger lines that I like, I never see them. Yeah. So when I start (laughs) to see them, my brain always wants to flip it to treble clef because I'm used to seeing those ledger lines in treble clef. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it's just a mess. That's trippy. But, (laughs) um, yeah. Uh, Anyway... Um I I, th- I don't I'm not exactly sure where we met. I can't really remember, but I think I, re- I do remember you being associated with the Candlelight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like we may have met there, we may have met at, L- at La Rose, which we reminds me a lot played of the Candlelight.
1: Oh, maybe. maybe. It might have been La Rose before the Candlelight. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, I love the Candlelight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It, but that that was like a was that a place for your kind of like formative experiences? Oh, jazz? definitely. Yeah.
1: Um I remember the first time I went there, I saw Wayne Smith, uh, the Three Blind Mice group. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Victor yeah. Wayne and uh, I forgot who was. Oh Lucas. Lucas Lucas Brown, Lucas yeah, Brown yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I remember I went there, maybe it was in high school or something like that. But I was just just so blown away by how they were so receptive to you know the younger crowd and mm-hmm. how they let us sit in and all that stuff. So I used to go a lot, almost every Saturday, you know. Yeah. Kind of. It is amazing the community, and I'm blown away by it. You know, it's the same 30 or so people. the great people that come out every week and support the music. And like we played there, uh, the first Saturday of January, and so many people came out. You know, and and uh, Chris Lewis was there, and Simone. Was, you know, it was three saxophones. Mm-hmm. And we got the stretch, but it was you know as long as we were swinging. You know, they were they they loved it and yeah i mean that's that place is so valuable yeah I'm, absolutely. Glad, I'm so glad
0: that place
1: exists you know yeah
0: yeah that place like i said la rose there's a place up in in eastern pennsylvania called the lafayette bar
1: oh i've never been there i heard about it. you should
0: check it out it, it all has like a very similar vibe like um just like what the places i imagine like coltrane playing at right, like right. like yeah, that yeah. like old school vibe yeah and um yeah, that that is a very valuable resource and uh it's important to uh support those places. So uh side note to all uh all the listeners out there, the candlelight is in Trenton. Yeah. And you should check it out. And is they like, they do Saturdays?
1: Yeah, Saturdays from three thirty to seven thirty. I think it's twenty four Passix Street, Trenton, mm-hmm. Trenton, New Jersey. But yeah, that man, and La Rose. Yeah. And I learned a lot, you know. Listen to Tony Williams mm-hmm. every Monday and Rob Henderson Rob when he had Henderson. his jam session. Yep, that was man. I wish he still had it.
0: Yeah. I do too, man. I do too. It's right around the corner. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. We're at my house in Germantown. It's La Rose is, it's right there. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, so do you, do you, do you do any writing?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a couple of groups I'm writing for. Mm-hmm. Um. Most recently, um, I put like a, a John Kirby um, tribute band together, and we're kind of doing his ra- arrangements and putting a little spin on it and kind of mi- mixing things up. So that mm-hmm. that was really fun. We actually just recorded that, a live recording. So Very cool. Maybe that'll be out soon. But uh, yeah, I have a, a septet I'm trying to write for, and I've been... Slowly writing big band charts for the last yeah. <laughs> couple of years, we play one of them, but yeah, so that's that's a that's a thing. But I have a lot of originals that I'm trying to figure out how to range and stuff.
0: But, Very cool. Yeah, you know, big band big band stuff is a that's, that's a, hard. It's a whole other thing, and then the act of getting a big band together and like yep. playing them.
1: That's why Jack, man. Yeah. Has so much power to Jack Saint Clair. You know, he has almost sixty or seventy charts, now, seventy arrangements? He's been going at it so man, he's he's amazing. Yeah, that's that's
0: an incredible feat. Yeah, I I can't even wrap my head around like <laughs> writing either. a soli. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah he's doing it in a week.
0: Oh man, um, uh, what is what is something that you like most about the the younger musicians, I know you're a young musician yourself, but yeah. like musicians you, you see starting, starting to, to come up. What is something about them that you're like, Oh
1: wow. That's real. That's real hip. I mean, I like how they're so supportive. Like, I, like even last night, uh, John and Mace was playing mm-hmm. at uh Chris's and it was packed. you know, all the temple cats came out and supported, you know, usually, I mean, you don't, you don't see that many people unless it's a session, mm-hmm. but everybody just came out to support. You know, there's a real huge sense of community in Philly. I feel like it's always been like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I kind of know, especially after this weekend. You know, Temple showed out in New York. Yeah, so yeah. Everybody's yeah. you know super super close. But and I know a lot of a lot of young cats are really knowledgeable about the music, and I'm I learn so much from you know cats like Simone mm-hmm. and uh, Patrick Wong. Man, they they know so much music, and I'll you know every time I get to play with them, you know I'm always learning stuff it was pretty cool
0: yeah that's awesome yeah I like I like like that too um I was always learn learn a lot from from young players yes it's
1: like Uh, man yeah especially like you know I remember when Chris 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 Lewis came Temple in his class I was like man these kids are amazing (laughs) Dylan Bands class came he's like what what is going on (laughs) this is ridiculous yeah you know it's like they get exponentially better, man. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I you brought up a, a interesting point that is, I, I think, a big issue in, in jazz. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, but we get more and more and more incredible players at younger and younger ages. Uh, how do you feel like we're doing enough to increase the listening audience and how can we, how can we do that better?
1: Um, well, that's a question that I've been trying to figure out for a while. Um, one, one solution would be to have music in non-traditional venues, Mm -hmm. you know, something that I work with nonprofit jazz Philly in, um, we, we try to have music in some series and coffee shops and, you know, we had, we hadn't met opera house. That was, that was pretty cool. A lot of people came out to that, but you know, in art galleries and stuff that mm-hmm. would um, kind of be more inviting than just a normal jazz club. But also there's a lot, there's a huge part of Philly who either doesn't know about the music, especially if you're talking about the, like the younger generation, mm-hmm. like, like the school, school children, or can't go out to see the music, like the the older generation that you know, might be in nursing homes or retirement communities. Mm-hmm. So I think it's our job to take the music out to them. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do at Jazzless Philly. You know, going going to schools, give master classes, kind of introduce the next generations to music, and also, you know, bring the music out to people who who are fans or were fans who lived the music. You know, who mm-hmm. were around when all this stuff happened, but they can't come out to see us. Yeah, I think that's that's really important yeah you know but i i think i mean if we emphasize on getting the younger generation to see that this music is amazing and you know find a way to adapt that to them we can keep going for a long time
0: yeah absolutely um i I, that's a question i like to ask a lot of people because it's a very pressing question for, for the future of jazz and um it's it's such a complex issue, yeah. And there, but that's those are both huge components of it. Um, and I I I just hear a lot, a lot, a lot of um the need for for education, which is true. That's a very super important part of the of the piece, but that I feel like that keeps bringing more players in, mm-hmm. and I don't. I'm not, I'm not really sure if. I haven't seen any, like, data about does that actually bring listeners in?
1: Right. I think the the big thing is even if players don't come out, is if the younger generation has an appreciation for the music, mm-hmm. so they know it exists and they know why it's important, if, mm-hmm. especially if they come from Philly, they know the history. Yeah. Of why so many players from Philly are important in the historical aspects and culturally and socially what was going on when this music was happening, mm-hmm. I think that might bring some more listeners in, you know, they don't, don't really have to play. Yeah. Just absolutely
0: appreciate it. Absolutely. And that actually reminds me of a, um, before you came over an application that I'm working on, just started working on that. uh, I hope you take advantage of and anyone listening takes advantage of, but the jazz road tours. Okay. Um, um, it's through, uh, South arts. It's called jazz road tours. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, a. uh, stipend program to help fund tours that go to non-traditional places. Oh, cool, cool. So it's like smaller tours, like six, six, uh, day or so tours that go to, um, like you can have like a, a bigger place in there, mm-hmm. but the, the goal is to get to like smaller communities, communities that don't have access to jazz and play in other, uh, things. So, um, I encourage everybody to check it out. It was just a uh, application I was working on before I, you came over this That's whole good. morning with me working on applications <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh you know when you get into band leading, oh yeah, it just becomes like, oh I gotta fill this thing in I gotta get this <laughs> thing together. I gotta organize all my charts oh, yeah, yeah. but it's all good That's all good. I'll find some time to to shed later <laughs> um w- what is something that? you see in the jazz scene that's been done, maybe has been done a certain way for a long time, but you, you feel like needs to, needs to get disrupted. needs to like not work that way anymore. Hmm.
1: Um, let me think about that for a second. So something that continues to happen that should probably change,
0: should probably change or just be improved upon or
1: just the. Well maybe from a young person's perspective um, I think there needs to be more seeking out apprenticeship because I think back mm-hmm. you know back in the day you didn't learn it in school mm-hmm. you just had somebody basically follow around and learn on the job and then yeah. they say hey you want fill in?" you know yeah that's kind of feel like that's kind of how it is in places like New Orleans. Mm -hmm. you know i mean we have a huge community here but it seems kind of one-sided towards i mean we're so thankful for people like boone Mm -hmm. and bobby's ankle you know some of the old heads but i think the onus has to be on us to go out and seek the old heads to to learn from yeah i mean they're not gonna just come to us and there's a lot of people in philly Probably we just haven't heard of, or just stay in, or don't don't really play that much. Yeah, because there's a lot of sort of separate pockets in in Philly. But I mean, that's that's one of the things I like about New York is that a lot of the older musicians who toured with you know Ellington and Basie and like you know Jacket they're still playing, and so there's there's opportunity to to mix with the younger yeah. younger cast. But you just gotta go out and yeah and, and find them. Yeah, you know. Cause they have, you know, they're, they're the, they're the history. They live the history. And mm-hmm. when they're gone, you know, that, that part of history is
0: gone. You know, yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. That, that's a great point. That, that sounds exactly like how you got involved in, in the Count Basie band and how you got involved in the yeah, in village Vanguard orchestra, like people, just, you know? <laughs> just going out there and seeking it out. So yeah. that's, that's really great advice. Um, there's another, here's another question that I ask a lot. And, um, it was actually the original idea that became this podcast mm-hmm. uh, that I pitched to a couple places and they, they didn't want to do it, oh. but it's okay. It turned into <laughs> this, so yeah. it's all good. But it was a column, uh, like, a, like a written column, and it was called, How Do You Hear? And it was me asking people that hear or use their ears for a living mm-hmm. about the process of hearing and like what it's like for them. Okay. So how do you hear and you can you can this can mean whatever really you want. But like I'm I'm kind of interested in how you process music like when you when you're hearing it either uh listening um by yourself or on a gig or or whatever.
1: Well, I always like to listen to the bass. Mhm. So I mean, I wish I could play bass. So I always catch myself trying to sing the bass lines, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that's, I mean, I guess it's is the bait, but I think that's the most important or one of my most fa- favorite instruments because, you know, it combines the rhythm and, and, and harmony and all that stuff mm-hmm. in, into one thing. So especially when I'm trying to learn a tune, I just make sure I, I'm able to sing the bass line when I'm hearing it. And you know, I think... Um, I guess, man. What do I listen for? Uh, I guess, wh- what do I listen for with music I like, or or just just in in general? general? It could be either. It
0: could be. This question is very open. It could be whatever you really want it to be.
1: Um. Well, yeah. I, I guess I I start with the bass first, and uh, let's see. I mean that's that's kind of what I always mm-hmm. focus on, especially when I'm playing. Just like that quarter note, you know, just like that quarter note drive, especially swing. I mean, it doesn't always have to be quarter notes, but I feel like, uh, especially with the the older music, like like bassy stuff. Or I've been doing a lot of swing dance stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like that four on the floor, bass hook up that, mm-hmm. that that lock to, that that lock. I think when that's really. Connected, I mean, I think the music feels amazing. So I always listen for that, and um, in time, especially when I'm kind of transcribing bird right now or listening to a lot of bird, mm-hmm. and the thing that gets me is his time is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really it's it's hard to describe it. You know, but uh, I got to I got a chance to hang with Barry Harris a couple times over the last year or so. I saw him a couple of weeks ago and I asked him about how he feels. Time and he's like, Yeah, man, I, I listen to Bird. And you know, when I listen to him, because he was, he was talking about um, the tune uh, My Heart Tells Me, mm-hmm. and he's like, Yeah, when Bird plays over 4 4, he's actually, I'm hearing it in three and like kind of a, like a long mm-hmm. uh, 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 one, three, eight, Oh, and he was kind of doing the motion of how he was feeling it yeah. as we listened to it. And it, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm trying to internalize that just, you know, because Barry's time is amazing. hmm You know, it's kind of the, the funkiest time and him and Bird, you know. So I'm, I'm focusing on people's time, trying to be able to process that, you know, get my fingers to move like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess when I'm listening or when I'm trying to transcribe stuff, I just... Make sure I'm able to Sing it Sing it back Somewhat accurately I'm not not a Great singer But I mean I think that's really important To be able to sing Because in my opinion I mean that's like the most Honest form of Music making Because you don't have to worry about The facilities of fingers Or having to Mm -hmm. Go from brain down To your nerves Down And coordinate with your air And your fingers You just you know Kind of just comes out Mm Mhm. So that's, that's something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's good. I like that. That's a good answer. Um, I know that's like a very like yeah, open, it's it's super, <laughs> it's super open and people, people have a lot of different people answer it in different ways. Uh-huh. Um, um, I remember I was talking to, to Dariel and he was, he was talking about, um, hearing things in very generally like hearing like a harmony and not being like oh that's a whatever but just kind of like feeling it and just being like oh okay that's that's this feeling okay and like you know so like like i said that that question can go in like a a million different ways
1: i kind of feel like that too because uh try not to overanalyze things Mm -hmm. you know because that kind of clogs clogs everything up exactly so yeah you know like this is a sound and this is a sound and tension release mm-hmm. more of oh yeah that's a sharp 11 blah, 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 you know? yeah just,
0: yeah it takes way too long yeah i can't <laughs> think that fast so. yeah you can I. I i i'm guilty of that a, a lot and that's the thing i I worked a lot on to like all right just like you do the analyzing in the practice room right, right, right. you get on the bandstand just just be you know just right, 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 right. You know? yeah and um uh very cool um what what's something that that you like to practice every day that you may not like if you don't do it you don't you don't if you don't get to do it for like a little bit like you feel like kind of weird or something uh well there's a couple
1: things there's a couple um exercises that i got to play with mark allen mm-hmm. for a minute and oh, he cool. kicked my butt he's he's incredible yeah he's like he's a genius but he showed me so many these these warm-up exercises i do and a lot of it's just kind of finger busting and Getting my fingers to be, you know, mm-hmm. warm and all that stuff. But um, I got also, I also got to stay with Joe Magnarelli, and his his thing is, um, I mean, we just talked about Bird and and Louis Armstrong. So he, a lot, I kind of do this too. But before he goes to play, he goes to play one of the transcriptions he learned or something, mm-hmm. just to get his head in the mindset. So there's a couple Bird trans- transcriptions I like to play. It's um, the body and soul, mm-hmm. him with uh, guitar player and and um, uh, Cherokee from that same session. So those, you know, those are some of the most amazing, inventive things I ever heard. But I also like to play some melodies. There's a lot of, some like obscure bebop heads I've been trying to keep under my fingers. You know, like there's a tune called "The Fruit," and uh, oh man, I'm blanking on the name right now. That's not good. But there's a, there's a bunch of like a uh, Quasimodo and mm-hmm. st- stuff that's more, l- more complicated. And, um, I like to, I always try to play some of the solis from, uh, the Vanguard band, you know, cause I like to have them under my fingers so I don't have to, have to read. Cause it's kind of awkward with the stance. I don't look down. So I usually play that every day, you know, a couple like three and one and, and like the head to, um, Love Walked In and some other stuff. But, um, yeah, I guess that's that's what I try to do if I if that's the only thing I can do mm-hmm. in long tones. But, um, oh, there's this long tone exercise, like it's a saxophone thing, that Ralph Lama showed me. And he calls it the Ha-Tata. And, um, basically what it is is it's kind of like weight training for your muscles around your mouth. Mm-hmm. And, um... You breathe through your nose and you keep your embouchure for the entire long tone exercise. So by the end, you know you're, you're, your 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 embouchure is really wearing down, mm-hmm. and it it kind of keeps me going for a while. So I like that one, and I guess long tones on flute,
0: clarinet, and stuff. Yeah, how how do you manage um, practicing all all the doubles?
1: Oh, it's hard. This yeah. <laughs> is very hard. I'm not very good at managing it, but I'm trying to get better you know it's a, it's a really stupid thing but just leaving them set up in yeah. the room so you can see them and so you
0: know you feel yeah. guilty that that that's that's maybe a small thing but that that's huge that's yeah. that's like a that's that's really really um i i find that quite important to practice just having it even with like a thing I'm working on, like it's like a like a like a etude. Just having that on the stand, yeah, yeah. So I don't have to like go dig for it. What was I working for? Just those like little, little bits really add up. Yeah, and um, putting your
1: phone away. your f- <laughs> that's a terrible one. That's yeah, yeah, that's a rough one, unfortunately. But yeah, it's 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 hard. But I like to try to play piano because I'm fortunate to have. And you know, I live with Silas Irvine. Mm-hmm. And I get to hear him practice. But we also have a piano in the house, so that's it's pretty good to have a piano so i can you know if i think about something i want to write down i just go straight to the piano and all that stuff
0: yeah yeah you do most of your writing at the piano yeah yeah
1: so (laughs) a lot of a lot of times when i go to play the music i just don't know how to play it because i (laughs) play it on the piano or it's in a weird key Uh uh-huh it's like an a or something
0: but uh do you you have for for writing just wanted to jump back for writing do you have any like like little like like shortcuts to get into the into writing say say you you want to write but you don't have any kind of idea or anything concrete you're gonna do or any goal and you're just like i'm gonna write something do you have any like ways into that creative space
1: um we talk about singing just get the piano and start singing Mm -hmm. and record yourself Mm -hmm. so i mean a lot of times when i'm out I just have, you know, my voice recorder up and just start mumbling stuff into my phone, mm-hmm. act like I'm on the phone so people don't see <laughs> you know, crazy. But uh yeah, that 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 helps for me, you know, just start singing and just seeing where it goes. Because um, I always ask a lot of people if they do melody first or harmony first and it's it's kind of back and forth. Yeah. But um I guess it's, for me it's kinda of half and half. Maybe I have an idea of a of a progression or have a melody stuck in my head Mm -hmm. you know but I don't think there's a real way to
0: do it yeah absolutely you're you're right there is not (laughs) I feel like there's like maybe like a couple people in the world that just like hear the whole thing and there's like boom done but like for for the rest of us it's just like a like a hodgepodge of of things so that's why why I asked the question because like you know, everybody has like a little thing they do. that's like, mm. Oh, whoa, that's, that's cool. And sometimes, sometimes you'll be stuck somewhere in in the middle of some bridge that you don't know how to finish and you go, Oh, that, that way in or yeah, this, yeah. or there's this really interesting, um, it's a, it's a deck of cards uh-huh. by the ambient artist, Brian Eno. Okay. It's called, Oh, what is it called? It's called oblique strategies. Okay. And it's just like a deck of cards. They're all, they're all just like I just think uh, I think they're just, they're just like blank, and they just each one has a phrase on it, and they're they're very like um, ambiguous mm-hmm. phrases, and they're meant to inspire That's you. Cool. So you're 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 stuck writing something, and You just pop one of them open, and go, oh, what does this mean to me? That's cool. and, and yeah, know, yeah, try yeah. to go with it you know yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it means to you at that moment but just like you know that was the thing that um, a drummer I heard from a drummer um, and I was like that's incredible and uh-huh. there's actually an app for it that has oh, that check it out. yeah I'm pretty sure it's a free app it's called oblique strategies and you know just like little a little thing like that can can break that that log jam and like Oh, okay, cool. Get you thinking in a different way or um, something like that.
1: I remember Norm would say he would just try to write something every day. Mm -hmm. And Jack's like that too. You know, he's just trying to write at least a little bit every day. Yeah. But I mean, I kind of get solace in the fact that, you know, all the great writers like Dad, they didn't start out like that. You know, Mm -hmm. Dad wrote for Basie. He actually has an album for Harry James where he just arranged all these really simple standards, but mm-hmm. it's so swing. Yeah. But it's in the late 50s, I guess. But, you know, they, you know, they imitated a lot too, mm-hmm. you know, because all that, that stuff with Basie sounded a lot like, you know, Basie. Then his first thing that he, well, his his stuff that Basie commissioned for him that started the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra sounded more like that and mm. branched off into his own thing.
0: Very but, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, so what what are some things that you're you got in your future?
1: Uh, let's see. Well um Bass Band has some stuff just kinda jumping around the United States here and there until we're going back to Europe in July and then we're gonna be back in New York uh the end of July and uh yeah like July twenty the last week of July, mm-hmm. we'll be at the Blue Note for a week. And um, some other stuff, I'm, I'm happy to play with um, uh, New York big band leader, uh, Al Villner and his big band, and we're playing around and uh, trying to get stuff from my group. So my, you know, some different ensembles. And it, it's looking good, you know. It's staying consistently busy. Um, playing Probably playing with Vanguard Band a couple times. Playing there next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm also teaching at Temple doing one of the ensemble the Swingin' Owls big band. Oh cool. So shameless plug if you wanna if you're a trombone player and you wanna play in a big band once a week, uh join the swing owls this Thursday. Eight to six there's a six to eight band and there's a eight to ten band. So and it's I think it's twenty five dollars a semester or something like that.
0: Well, oh, that's a that is a deal.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Chris Host is leading the other band. Oh, cool. And we're in, in desperate need to trombone play. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, things, things are looking, things looking cool. I mean, I know the rest of the year isn't set yet, so I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to what's gonna happen. You know.
0: Very cool. So. Uh, where can uh, listeners uh, find you on the, online? Where can they um, hear what you're up to?
1: Well, I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, and I've been notoriously awful at updating it, but I'm doing something every week trying to, you know, post where I'm playing. So it's, um, yeah, it's just the Josh Lee group mm-hmm. on Facebook. And um, I guess I'm on Instagram. Yeah. So I just got an Instagram like a year ago. So I'm trying to figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of late. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> kind of late. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the main thing. I'll try to be better about posting things and updates and stuff.
0: Cool, man. Well, Josh, Josh Lee, st- thank you so much oh, for hanging out me. and uh, chatting with me today. And I uh, wish you all the best in 2020, man. All
1: right, man. Too.
0: Thanks for listening to the Voice Equals Power podcast. For me, this series is a labor of love. My goal is to help document the making of jazz history in this moment. If you have any suggestions about who you would like to hear on the show, drop me a line. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, your voice is your power.